When it comes to globalization, everyone is looking forward to the opportunities to grow politically and also economically. When we look at the war in Ukraine and also the political polarization in the U.S., everything, especially regarding the future, seems so ambiguous. But meanwhile, people are hungry in looking for answers. And more importantly, we are indeed looking for social and political stability. Hey everyone, this is Will, and welcome to this brand new and exciting episode of The Missing Piece. Over the decades that we learned so much more regarding how globalization is changing the world, particularly regarding the continent of Africa. Recently, I was very honored to host one of the interesting and meaningful events in the capital city of China. When I listened to the debates, the heated exchange among the young men and women from all the countries of Africa, they joined this great session, exchanged their views regarding globalization. On one hand, some people argue that globalization. Is providing so much more in terms of economic agenda or economic benefits for some countries in Africa, but on the other hand, some people disagree that globalization is leading us or misleading us towards the future of the world. Well, at the end of the day, I have to say this event was put together by Economic and Trade Cooperation of African Youth. I learned how the young people today around the countries in Africa are generating much greater noises, and also they're hoping using their opinions to change some of the current policies. I have to say, I was deeply touched by their passion and drive. I hope that in the future we are going to see more similar events, inviting not just the youth from Africa. But also around the world to discuss the meaning and the projection of globalization. Well, in this episode, when we need to talk about another country, also play a strategic role on the map, which is Vietnam. Needless to say, that Vietnam is one of the critical countries in Southeast Asia. So, in this episode, we need to talk about how Vietnam is changing this political agenda and also this economic reform under the new president. Will is fortunate to sit down with one of the scholars regarding all those matters, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's my great honor to invite our distinguished speaker, which is Dr. Hai Hongnun. Dr. Hai holds a PhD in political science. His research focuses on democratization, democratic theory, local governance, and democracy, state-society relations, and the impact of social media on political transformation. Well, Dr. Hai, and welcome to the missing piece. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, Dr. Hai, again, as we mentioned before, initially when I discovered you, because this amazing article that you wrote, which is entitled "Vietnam's New President: Key Takeaways for Domestic Politics and Foreign Relations," now before we talk about this new president within this article, if I may uh, ask the question, you mentioned there are top four pillars. 
of the Vietnamese political system. For our audience and our viewers, we are not very much familiar with the four pillars. Can you help us and walk us through what are the four pillars of the current Vietnamese political system and why that is important? Thank you very much, Will. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's a very interesting uh, question, uh, particularly for those who are not uh, familiar with uh, the Vietnamese political system. Mm. So uh, the, the four pillars here are referred to the top or most powerful four positions in the Vietnamese political system. Mm. So they are uh, members of the central committees and uh, members of the politburos of the Communist Party of Vietnam, which is the uh, single uh, ruling party in Vietnam. Mm. So at the third Congress of the Communist Party of Vietnam, or CPV, held in 2021, uh, 200 candidates were elected to the Central Committee, mm. of which 180 members are officers and 20 are alternate members. So these 200 members then, in the first plenary uh, session, will um, uh, elect a Politburo of uh, 18 members. And the Secretary General, who is among the 18 members of the Politburo. So in the past years, uh, 10 officer members were relieved from the Central Committee, including the two Deputy Prime Minister and the State President, because of their link to grand cases of corruption mm. in Vietnam. Mm. So currently, the Central Committee now has only 170 officer members, and 20 uh, alternates. So Vietnam has recently, as you mentioned, elected the new president to replace the former president who stepped out to take political responsibility for wrongdoings committed by his junior staff, as mm. I mentioned before. So after the recent election of the new president, the current four pillars today include the Secretary General of the Communist Party of Vietnam, Mr. Nguyen Phu Chau, the State President, Mr. Vo Van Thuong, the Prime Minister, Mr. Phạm Minh Ching, and the National Assembly Chairman, uh, Mr. Vuong Đình uh, Huệ. Mm. Well, Professor, again, based on what you mentioned, again, we understood the importance of the four pillars of the current Vietnamese political system, but let's talk about this new person. Again, we, as we mentioned in the intro, that this time, the new president seemed to be so much younger compared with the predecessors. So my next question is, how should we understand the youth or the age in this current political system? So that mean, does that mean that it provides and offers advantages to the current political system and also to the voters? What do you make of that? Well, apparently he's um, the youngest members within the Politburo. Um, um, and of course, um, uh, he, he will be only uh, 56 years old mm. uh, at the next party Congress or the 14th uh, Congress of the uh, Communist Party of Vietnam in 2026. So, uh, you know, uh, within the political, uh, the Politburo uh, at the moment, 11 out of the 16 members um, including the Prime Minister of Ming Ching, uh, who is now 68, and um, uh, Owinbi 68, sorry, 
um, the next assembly chairperson, um, uh, Vương Đình Huệ, will be 69. Mm. And the ministers of public security, Mr. Tô Lâm, are 69. These men have the potentials to replace the current secretary general um, uh, at the next uh, Congress. However, the party also set the rules, the, the, the age limit rules, which is 65. So, you know, basically, who is 65 years old when retire, um, uh, when uh, at the times of the party congress is held. Mm. So, so that means at the um, 14th congress in 2026, all uh, the prime minister, uh, the public security ministers, the chairperson of the next assembly, and of course, the current uh, secretary generals um, will retire anyway. So that means there is a very big chance for the current president, who mm. is, you know, a very quite very young and only uh, 56 years old, as I mentioned, uh, in 2026, uh, to be elected to replace Mr. Chong. Of course, they will continue to stay in the president position, mm. uh, absolutely. Uh, so given his young age, he is eligible to sit in the top position for at least two more terms, or at least he will stay in the top position until 2028. So, um, and of course, um, on the other hand, uh, the, the presidency term in office also um, uh, subject to the uh, term in office limit mm -hmm. as well. So if the two term limit for the presidencies apply, it will make it, um, you know, very clear and likely that he will be promoted to the post of the CPV uh, Secretary General at the 15th Congress, which is uh, supposed to be in uh, 2031. Or even, you know, it might be earlier if, you know, uh, he performed well and he get, you know, a support from the, the Politburo's or from uh, the party. So given, you know, his young age, he has more chance to, uh, you know, stay in the top position and to be promoted to these uh, positions of Secretary Generals, uh, you know, uh, very clearly. Professor Hai, again, as we mentioned in the intro, of course, also as part of the title from your article, when we talk about Vietnam, it's one of strategic partners, not just for the countries in Southeast Asia and also regarding the around the world. Again, I still remember last time I was fortunate to travel to Vietnam, of course, besides enjoy this tasting, you know, mouthwarding food. But meanwhile, I was very lucky to engage in a conversation regarding the domestic and foreign policies. Now, Professor, let's talk about the domestic policy first. Under this new president, what are some of the changes for the domestic policy? Is it just related to economic policy or how about the social welfare and the social equality? And meanwhile, after that, could you also help us to understand Vietnam's, uh, Vietnam's role related to foreign policy, for example, with the U.S. and also with other countries? And we know that today Vietnam has been one of the centers uh, of nations for uh, in Southeast Asia that played a strategic and significant part for the world economy. So what do you say to that, Professor? Well, thank you very much. I think uh, now, um, in uh, the uh, first of all, uh, let me um, 
um, emphasize um, the uh, the key uh, duties of mm. the president first. Mm. So of course, according you know, according to the constitution, um, he uh, hold different duties, of course. But there are three uh, key um, um, uh, duties uh, vested in uh, the roles of uh, the presidents. Mm. Uh, uh, first of all, um, it is um, the um, because um, he he is the um, um, the the chairperson of judicial reform. So that is the first one. Mm. Um, one of the duty is to promote uh, uh, judicial reforms in Vietnam. The second one, he is the head of the state. So he represents the countries in foreign relations. Mm. So that's the second uh, key role. And the third key role is because he also the commander in chief mm. of the uh, uh, military force, uh, forces. So he has the, the duty to, to, you know, develop and to, um, you know, uh, 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 modernize, uh, I would say, um, the uh, military um, uh, um, and also the, the, the capacities of the military. Um, so these are the three key roles of uh, the, uh, the president. Of course, as I said, according to the constitution, he, he also have the influence, influence voice in other uh, uh, subject areas as well. Now, in terms of the um, uh, economics and foreign policies here, I would say now the national development policies, including the foreign and economic policies, are adopted at the party congress. So the Central Committee uh, passes resolutions to implement these policies, mm. right? And the Communist Party of Vietnam pursues a collective leadership mechanisms. So they know that in Vietnam, um, Vietnam does not have a one-man rule system. Mm -hmm. It is completely different from, you know, North Korea or even China. China's Xi Jinping holds, you know, uh, multiple uh, uh, roles, mm. and uh, particularly if the uh, the positions as the uh, uh, the chief or the boss of the Chinese Communist Party and also the state president as well. That's so right. I would say even China's applying kind of, you know, collective leadership. They also have the Politburo, they also have the uh, Secretary and the Central Committee, but very much that uh, Xi Jinping is the most powerful one and even uh, we can say he's the, the final decision makers. But in Vietnam is not uh, as such. So um, whoever occupies the presidency, the foreign policies will not change. Likewise, the economic policy. So that's the first one uh, everyone had to remember. The second one is that the president is the second ranking position in the top four pillars. So of course he, you know, stand behind the party secretary general, mm. and of course he has a voice, as I said, but is not the most influential in the decision making. So overall, you know, he cannot act differently from you know, uh, you know, his predecessors, you know, his preceding state president. And he just a member of the collective leadership uh, mm. of the uh, Communist Party of mm. Vietnam only. Uh, and so I and 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 I said, it is important for him to you know implement perfectly um, uh, the uh, of course fulfill um, the three key duties that I you know mm. mentioned before. That is the most important, and that is the emphasis of uh, his term in office. Mm. 
Well, Dr. Hai, what about the foreign policy side? Again, right now, as the world continues to change and shift, on one hand, we're looking at the war in Ukraine, but on the other hand, we're looking at not only the current, but also the future projection for this world economic dilemma or world economic shift. So how do you evaluate the role of Vietnam today in terms of the foreign policy? Because again, this is one of the critical and this is one of essential elements that we need to talk about, not just about the countries in Southeast Asia, but also really about what we called this collective and joint effort altogether. So what do you say to that when we talk about the foreign policy side uh, under this current new president? What do you say to that? Well, I think, uh, in a sense, um, uh, Vietnam's uh, since um, uh, uh, 1986, when the countries uh, embarked on the um, uh, Doi Moi uh, mm -hmm. policies, um, um, and it has adopted uh, and uh, implemented mm -hmm. uh, policies of uh, multilateralizations and uh, diversifications. And, um, you know, be friend, uh, friendly to, you know, um, own countries around the world mm. and uh, uh, being a responsible uh, members of the international uh, com um, uh, community and a reliable uh, partners. So I think, um, um, in other words, uh, I would say that Vietnam has uh, adopted a very um, you know, pragmatic uh, foreign policies, mm. and um, and and in fact, um, uh, the adoption of that kind of foreign policy is based on the lessons that they learned in the past. Mm. So uh, I don't think that um, uh, Vietnam wouldn't uh, change that kind of foreign policies uh, from now on and in the future. That means Vietnam try to be um, involved in or engage in any conflicts in the world. Uh, it tried to keep, you know, strategic uh, balancing positions um, mm. in uh, a very rapidly changing world today. So, uh, as you, um, as everyone know that um, uh, with regards to the ongoing war in Ukraine now, um, on the one hand, uh, Vietnam has good relationship with Russia, mm. uh, of course, a comprehensive strategic partner. But on the other hand, Vietnam also have good relationship with Ukraine. And, and that's why Vietnam tried to take a neutral position. Vietnam don't want to, you know, so it's support to uh, Russia. Then, of course, uh, to some extent, it, you know, the country has implicitly, uh, uh, you know, uh, rejected um, uh, Russia's uh, invasion of Ukraine. Mm. Um, uh, if, the, if everyone read carefully the, the wording, um, you know, in the statements by um, Vietnam for, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs for mm. persons, and also representatives um, uh, at the UN, uh, and of course, um, um, and the the uh, the patterns of his voting in the uh, on the floors of the national the general assemblies um, uh, over the past years with regards to you know the uh, uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. So people can understand that Vietnam's you know not supporting uh, Brussels, of course. Uh, now. With regards to uh, you know the 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 ongoing competitions between China and the United States mm. and you know uh, other international issues in the Indo, Indo Pacific uh, uh, reasons broadly, I think Vietnam uh, trying to you know as I said um, uh, 
um, going, um, you know, um, on the the Thai rope mm. and trying to keep balance mm. uh, between major powers and um, uh, um, and and of course it, it will not take side with any uh, powers. I think that's uh, because uh, I said that I want to uh, focus on is national development and uh, it it you know it the lesson for them. Uh, uh, that they have learned is that they put the national interest on mm. top of, uh, you know, any actions, uh, any, you know, uh, policies. And, and you know, the, the foreign policy of Vietnam uh, has clearly reflected that kind of approach, pragmatic approach. Dr. Hai, I want to get back to the article. Again, this is something that you wrote, which is quite interesting. Again, this is what you mentioned, and I quote, you say this person, again, uh, assume it's the new president, he was directly in charge of party-to-party -party and people-to-people -people relations. Now, again, today, when we talk about, well, it's understandable that we say party-to-party, -party, but today, when we interpret people-to-people -people relations, I can't resist asking the question, is that a domestic issue? So in other words, how could this president or how could any official within this Vietnamese political system can be so down to earth or tangible to the citizens? Because we know that today politics is not just about power. Politics is beyond that what is internal, this political change is more about the people. And again, looking at what's happened in the US today, so again, Dr. Hai, how should we understand this people-to-people -people relations in terms of the current Vietnamese political system? Thank you, Will. I think, uh, first of all, I need to uh, clarify the um, understandings of the perceptions of people-to-people -people, uh, diplomacy mm. or uh, relations in the context of uh, Vietnamese foreign policy. Now, Vietnamese policy is built or developed based on three pillars. Mm. First one, state-to-state -state diplomacy. The second one is party-to-party, -party, you know, diplomacy. And the third one is people-to-people -people diplomacy. Mm. So, for state-to-state -state diplomacy or party-to-party -party diplomacy is very clear, right? And for the third one, people-to-people -people diplomacy, I think many people are still, you know, confusing of these concepts in the context of Vietnamese foreign policy. Mm. So in Vietnamese foreign policy, when they mention people-to-people -people relations uh, or diplomacy, that means they want to emphasize the relationship between Vietnamese people, organizations, and people, organizations in another countries. Mm. So that means they talk about, you know, the, the relationship at the people level, a citizen level between Vietnamese citizens and Vietnam and citizens in another countries. It can be, you know, the uh, uh, relationship between um, uh, an NGOs in Vietnam and an NGOs in other countries. So that that is what they meant in Vietnamese foreign policy, mm. people to people diplomacy. It's not about the uh, uh, relationship or the interactions between the Vietnamese leaders and its own citizens in Vietnamese society. Okay, mm. so that is what I mean in my uh, article as well. So I'm looking at the relationship between Vietnamese citizens and Vietnamese organizations with the citizens 
or organizations in another countries. Is that what I mean? And of course, uh, it is, um, uh, now, um, if, if that is something, you know, the, 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 um, uh, you know, um, um, uh, we're not clear uh, about, um, now, um, and of course, and, uh, and that's why, um, uh, according to the, uh, um, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the parties, mm. uh, uh, groups, um, because, um, the current, uh, uh, president, he was, um, uh, the, um, standing members of the secretariats and also members of the party, uh, party, um, uh, bureau bureaus. And that's why he was in charge of the party to party and people to people, um, uh, diplomacies. Mm. Uh, now, if, yeah, if you, um, uh, ask about, um, the, um, the political leaders in Vietnam's relationship with its own citizens, um, um, uh, I, that's another story, but I, I can talk a little bit uh, about that. Um, I think, um, uh, the, the relationship between political leaders in Vietnam now and his own citizen is really based on the, what I say, the, the performance ways, mm. um, uh, legitimacy. Mm. So it's about how the party, um, you know, rule the countries, how the party can build a strong society, a prosperous society or prosperous people, as mm. they said. So it's very much, you know, um, about the relationship between the party and the society. Mm. And for the party, it is the, the utmost important um, uh, duty or, you know, a mission now is to build a, a prosperous society because Vietnam, um, you know, uh, for long, the people, um, you know, um, uh, was under, you know, living in poor uh, conditions. And mm. Vietnam has long been, um, uh, in a, you know, uh, under uh, the war. So that's why uh, for the people, for the citizens, they expect that the party um, uh, have to um, uh, lead the countries to a developed society. Uh, in other words, um, the, the people do not care much about who is in power. Mm. Uh, they care about the performance, mm. economic performance of the, you know, the countries of, um, um, uh, of the governments. Mm. So as long as the governments or the party can lead the countries to a, you know, develop, uh, society, develop, um, uh, to modernizations, um, um uh, I think the party wins, uh, support the party. Mm. Dr. Hai, I know you're very busy. Now I got two more questions before letting you go. Now, let's talk about the citizens in Vietnam today, especially regarding the younger generations. Again, we know that today, when we talk about social reforms or political participation, younger generations, no doubt, have much a deeper and stronger voice in terms of voicing their op oppositions or opinions. Now, Dr. Hai, help us to understand what is the general attitude among the younger generations today in Vietnam and how crucial it is for the youth to participate in today's social and political change in Vietnam? Well, I think uh, I would say that um, um, the, um, the attitudes of uh, the younger generations now in Vietnam, they change 
um, um, uh, very much. Mm. Uh, I would say even, you know, um, you know, the, uh, my generations have different, you know, uh, attitude to the society, to the political systems, uh, you know, uh, compared to my parents' mm. generations. And of course, uh, the younger generations than uh, my generation also have, um, you know, different approaches to the society and to, um, uh, the political system also. I think for, uh, the majority of the Vietnamese people now, I mean, the majority is, uh, I, 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 in, uh, I mean, um, the, you know, jungle generations. Uh, for them, uh, I think, uh, the pursuit of capitalism is the most important at the moment. Mm. And I said, because for, for long, um, uh, Vietnamese society was under, you know, poverty and, uh, under, um, you know, hardship. Mm. And that's why, um, you know, um, um, Vietnamese people, uh, seemed, you know, very much fond of, you know, pursuing capitalism, uh, making rich, uh, um, and, uh, having a, you know, well off, uh, uh, life. That's the most important one. Mm-hmm. And that's why once, um, the, uh, party secretary general, Nguyen Phu Chao, uh, said, you know, uh, the young generations now is, um, uh, a party to, mm. uh, uh, politics, mm. uh, and is a legacy. Uh, however, uh, um, you know, in Vietnam, um, the parties, um, uh, has, um, the, uh, an association mm. or, you know, organizations, um, of the Jews. Uh, they call it the Ho Chi Minh, um, Communist mm. Jews Union, mm. uh, which is an organization gathering the, uh, the young generations or young people, um, um, and, um, this union, you know, um, uh, plays a very important role in mobilizing mm. the uh, support and the engagements of the young people in the society. Mm. And I think, um, um, uh, and, and, the, and the party and the uh, unions have the strategies to engage uh, the young, uh, um, you know, uh, generation and people in uh, society and uh, the uh, in politics. Um, and, and I think, um, uh, the current president is also setting examples of how, mm. uh, a young person or a member of the, uh, young generations can, you know, uh, becomes a leader of the country. Mm. So I think that's, that might be, I don't know, um, uh, you know, I can't read behind the words or the minds of the, 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 the Vietnamese leadership environment, but it, it, he can be a, you know, a good examples for the young generations to look at. And, you know, um, to, to learn from him that, well, um, there's always a chance for them to, you know, rise up to thinking, um, uh, decision making, uh, position and to, you know, the top, um, uh, leadership position. Mm. So I think, um, as that, that could, that would be, you know, uh, something, um, the young generations can learn from. And of course, um, uh, the, the current president will take, you know, uh, opportunities to, uh, talk to, um, the, um, young generations in Vietnam. And of course, he used to be the leaders of, uh, the, uh, Vietnamese dude. Mm. Um, he was the uh, first secretaries of the, um, uh, Ho Chi Minh, uh, communist, um, uh, Jews union before. Mm. So, um, he absolutely set a good example. And, um, uh, and of course, as I said, um, uh, in order to attract um, the young generation in society to mobilize a, um, you know, uh, engagement in society in politics. 
it's important for the party, for the governments to uh, set out a clear strategy mm. and to show that, uh, well, uh, they are uh, well cared uh, by the government, by the party. And um, and in order for um, for the party to attract, they need to create some kind of mechanisms mm-hmm. to to get more you know favorable uh, environment, some kind of framework in order to convince the the young generation that um, they have opportunities. They are not um, you know um, uh, left behind, or you know um, there's something that. Um, um, they 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 uh, you know uh, they um, uh, have uh, less opportunities than you know um, uh, other people who have well connection with um, the system or the network. So anyway, uh, it is important for the government and the party to create a kind of a fair, equal uh, framework and environment for the young generations to uh, feel that uh, they are welcome, they are encouraged to participate in the society and the system. Well, that's why, Dr. Hai, you are one of the distinguished scholars that are able to comment on such issue. Again, I want to wrap up our conversation by asking you the last question. Again, going back to the article, towards the end of the article, that you mentioned for the following three years, it's going to be very crucial for the new president. Because not only related to domestic policy and also for this international relations. So again, Professor Hai, going back to uh, the question, what are we expecting for the following three years from this person? And perhaps it's not just about this person. It's about the cabinet. It's about the, uh, the officials within the party. So can you help us to understand what are the significant changes or expectations for the following three years uh, after this new president officially takes place? Well, I think uh, for um, any predictions um, in a society like Vietnam, where um, you know uh, uh, it is a uh, single-party rule society, mm. uh, I think it's very difficult. Um, mm. In fact, um, and of course, uh, predicting um, his possible uh, consequential uh, impacts on Vietnamese politics um, at this stage um, is very uh, hard. Mm. Um, 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 you know, um, we, um, we still have, you know, three more years to come to the next party congress in mm. 2026. And of course, because he's young, he's, you know, um, uh, quite new in, um, uh, the position. Uh, but, um, uh, having said that, it does not mean, um, he, uh, does not have any experience. Um, he uh, does not have the competency, mm. uh, particularly as I uh, mentioned uh, before, that um, he, uh, you know, looking at um, his 70-year uh, political career, he um, has taken different uh, positions, uh, both at the central level and local level. And um, in the past um, two years, um, uh, he was in the positions of uh, standing committees of the Secretariat of the Politburo, mm. uh, which is in charge of, you know, uh, domestic affairs and foreign affairs. Um, and um, um, he has been um, uh, performing quite well. Um, and he has uh, uh, proven his ability, um, including um, his position as the uh, vice chairpersons of 
the Central Committee for Anti-Corruption mm. and um, uh, Prevention of Negative Practices. So I think um, now, of course, he's now in, um, you know, quite um, influential position, um, a very important position, you know, as the head of the state and, um, um, uh, of course, uh, state president. Mm. So in the next three years, I think uh, it's a period uh, uh, that he will face a test of his, you know, ability and competencies in the new roles, which is more important, of course. Mm. Um, and in a sense, um, his test, his competencies will be judged mm. on the three key um, uh, duties rested on him, as I mentioned before, um, as the um, uh, the the, the uh, commander in chief. Um, uh, of the military um, and uh, the chairperson of the Judicial Reforms Committee and of course as the head of the state. Mm. So he must prove his you know, performance at least in these three key um, areas. Now, in terms of the uh, foreign relations space, this week there's a test for him. Mm. He's going to welcome the uh, Australian uh, Governor General, David mm. Hurley. Uh, who is going to pay an office of visits to Vietnam this week, mm. uh, beginning from today. So he will, you know, first of all, uh, on, you know, the public service to the outside world as the head of the state, mm. right? So he's, so his appearance um, in these spaces, you know, is very important in this. Um, so it, it will be the first test for him mm. to show how he's acting as the head of the state, representing the countries. Um, um, you know, in foreign relations and overseas. So um, I, I think um, overall, between now and 2026, if he performs well, and um, in these, of course, three key areas, and of course, continues to gain the trust and support from uh, Mr. Chow, the uh, party secretary general, and also who is also the chairperson of the uh, committee for anti-corruption, if um, Mr. Uh, Mr. Tung, the, 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 the president, so that he continued to support um, and he has a strong hand or fist on uh, anti-corruption and prevention of negative uh, practices, then, you know, um, he, he can get more support from uh, Mr. Chung. And he's very likely to, you know, replace Mr. Chung um, mm. in, you know, the next Congress. Um, so, or even if he performed well as the head of the state, as the you know, um, you know, um, a, 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 you know, a, a capable persons in fighting corruption, he might be, you know, uh, has opportunity, uh, op, you know, possibility to be promoted to hold concurrently two positions, mm -hmm. which is the you know head of the state or the president, and also the you know party secretary general. Who knows? Uh, because of his, you know, uh, young age and also his, you know, well performance. Mm. So I think overall, between now and 2026, is is a you know period, you know, testing his ability and competency. So if he perform well, then he can, you know, continue to stay in the position and even promoted to how more, you know, important positions in the future. Well, that's why, Professor, again, not only for the following three years, not just for Vietnam, but also for every single country, again, for any newly elected leaders, not just about the years, it's actually about, again, what, well, Professor, you mentioned the word performance. 
Because again, at this moment, it's crucial. We need to pay closer attention, not only about what they say, but also about the actions behind the words. Well, ladies and Absolutely. gentlemen, it's my great honor to have our distinguished professor, again, Dr. Hai Hong Nun. Again, Dr. Hai holds a PhD in political science. His research focuses on democratization, democratic theory, and local governance, governance and democracy, state-society relations, and the impact of social media on political transformation. I strongly encourage everyone go online, look for his latest article which is entitled Vietnam's New President Key Takeaways for Domestic Politics and Foreign Relations. Well, Professor, thank you so much for taking your time to be on the show. It's always a pleasure and honor to speak to a distinguished scholar like you, and we'd love to have you back on the show again for future episodes related to not just about Vietnam, but also all the matters around the world. So thank you so much for doing this, Professor.